created live on Fireside. And we're back. Hey, Demi. Missed you. Three weeks. Three weeks. Gee whiz. Felt like three years. Folks, if you've just joined us, this is Doing It Sober Live, back in action with myself, Chris Nell from South Africa, and with Daniela Park from America. Two hemispheres of the world. Hmm. How's that? Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I was just listening to Beyond pump Borders. Up music, you know, like oh, really? That pumps you up, getting all excited for the show. I play that on Saturday nights, just so by the by. In fact, if you listen to that stuff in your earphones, as we call on the business cans, you actually go like this. <laughs> Three hours. I uh, I was just yep. looking at our guests, uh, Michael Moulton's YouTube, and he's got his own show, and he is he's such a personality. This guy, he's got a story. I'll tell you. I that. understand so. Yeah. I've been also yeah. keeping abreast of what he's doing. Look, the man doesn't hold his tongue for anybody, and doesn't can't carry water for any man or woman. And that's no. more people that we need in this world, irregardless of opinion, irregardless of stance. You know what? We need all sorts of people to make the world go round. I almost said made the girl go round. Hmm. The universe is telling me something. Cabin fever. In any event. (laughs) You, working on a radio show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I should have said this on the show last time, but uh, I was still working in the TV business. I've now retired from the TV business, and I'm back doing what uh, I like to do, spinning records and talking smack, which is... Part joy and part guerrilla warfare. I say part guerrilla warfare. Be- <laughs> I say part guerrilla warfare because it's uh, a great joy not to wake up early in the morning, but then uh, when you get home at six, seven o'clock in the evening, your eyes go squint like this. <laughs> Danny, you and I spoke about this on a separate occasion. I think it was just before you went to South America. Is um, the premise of being present is not having any expectations. And when I returned specifically to radio, I thought, okay, let's give this a try. There was an absence of two years, but hey, let's give it a try. But the moment that I got behind the microphone again and I switched on that switch, something else took over. And it was then that I realized, I didn't realize then how much I missed it. So now that I have that opportunity, I don't want to abuse it. But um, a lot of things opened up my mind recently, and uh, we'll get to that at a later stage because I don't want to sound premature. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been predominantly doing. And I had to make uh, an amendment to my character defects because I don't see it as a uh, character defect anymore. Is I suffer from a very rare disease. It's not so common in everyone, but it's called an overactive jaw because I can't stop talking. <laughs> so it makes me perfectly suited to radio. We know, we know, but that's okay. You're, it, it's good. Now, you have to have a knowledge of, of music, obviously. I mean, if you're playing music, that is it. Yes, you can. You've got to know your shit, right? Absolutely. Look, um, there are two mainline genres of radio. There's obviously music radio, which is its subgenres, and then you have talk, which has its subgenres. Now, in any given subgenre, you have to have a general knowledge period. There's no such thing as uh, you can just get on the microphone and just talk smack. You have to know, obviously, some (laughs) substance or form. Keep uh, abreast on current affairs, but the onus is up to me to what I want to say. Now, I should add this in for good measure as well, that uh, there are certain topics to steer clear of, these last two years included. Agree? So uh, what I try and do is I just talk about bread and butter topics regarding the area and here is Mikey. Oh, to cool. Have I was just, <laughs> there he is. All right. Mr. Michael, let's invite him up. Let me introduce our guest to our audiences. Life is predestined. How that plays out can be compared as to laying the foundation to a brick building. That should count for life's downs as equal to the ups. Hmm. Maybe the universe is telling me something. (laughs) From tempting fate, tapping at death's door, and even trying to pick up the pieces thereafter, we all need a guiding hand to aid from going upward from the bottom 
to perhaps reaching the breaches of the top. It takes resilience, trust, and faith, pillars of rock to lean on. Michael Moulton knows this tale all too well. Trauma, dependency on drugs, incarceration, the man saw it all. A chance encounter with an inmate, though, led to encountering the new living translation and giving his heart to Jesus. Michael had gotten free spiritually, and also an Erin admin granted him an early release. This release made Michael realize he needed to provide others trapped to be freed. Perhaps with the help of Jesus, he can even help set you free. On Doing It Sober Live, we bring to you Michael Moulton. Make yourself be known, my good man. Wow, that was awesome. So I'm assuming that my manager, Kim, wrote that and sent it to y'all. Or Chris, you wrote that. Just keep talking about mm-hmm. me. I like that. That's what I was asked. You know, I was asked one time, when, you know, what do they talk about in support, you know, support group meetings? And it's real simple. We talk about ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, what we, that's what we do. Thank you so yeah, much. What an honor. And um, I hope you can see me well. So um, I am, um, I'm honored to be here. And Where are you at? I'm in Orlando. Oh my goodness. Are you so you're visiting? You don't live here. I don't. I'm visiting here and doing some stuff and then my son lives here and uh you know coming to see him and then heading back to Dallas um uh, this weekend we're launching a couple of documentaries uh, uh next week. So, uh, oh, nice. really having a really having a good time. That's Have you branched out to filmmaking if you don't mind me asking, Mike? I have we're working on some stuff. I mean, I'm I'm not an actor. I'm just a recovering drug addict alcoholic with a good story. And my biggest character defect, my biggest character defect growing up was this mouth. And now God's allowed it to be my greatest asset, you know? So, well, you and I are akin in that space, my good man. You can't (laughs) shut up. Yeah. So um, I've been clean and sober since May 29th, 2017. So just celebrated, you know, five years and um, it's truly been a miracle. it, It hasn't been easy. And, um, but I'm, I'm still clean and sober. God love you for that, brother. Where did that all start? So as Daniela is carrying on, Mike, you were busy saying, roughly in summary, you had a very, very long, torrid love affair with uh, alcohol and drugs. Tell us more or less some certain highlights of how you, you first had a dalliance with it and uh, ultimately ending up in prison, leading up to your encounter with uh, the Bible. Well, whenever I speak, I always make it very, very clear that I drink alcohol and I did drugs for the effect. You know, I can't be confused right. about that. You know, I I didn't drink alcohol, and, and that's recovery is is accepting that and recognizing it. Um, you know, I didn't drink alcohol and do drugs because I was dealt a bad deck. You know, because I was sexually abused, mm. physically abused, um, betrayed, abandoned, and this all happened. Uh, but that's why I drank was because of the effect. And when I drank alcohol and I did drugs, I started to feel like everybody around me looked. Um, and mm, then at right. the end of my run, I was drinking alcohol and doing drugs uh, to try to feel good about the bad decisions and the consequences uh, that mm. were happening to me that I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. And the most powerful thing and the most honest thing, and I share this with people who are trying to get in recovery you know, the most honest thing that we can tell ourselves is this, you know, three simple words. I don't know. You know, I don't know why uh, I'm doing the things I'm doing. I don't know why I'm drinking. And that's the true honesty that I finally had to do after my 27th mugshot, um, you know, in front of Judge Bennett is I simply just, gave, you know, just gave up and I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, growing up, you know, growing up, I, I lived um, in a very wealthy family and, and behind closed doors, it was complete chaos. Um you know, my grandfather sexually abused me. Uh, my parents were very physical with me. Uh, my dad was never around. He was a workaholic. And so I grew up in the mm-hmm. country clubs and I grew up in the men's locker room. And these and these men taught me how to uh, to live. They taught me how to drink. They taught me how to gamble. And then they, they taught me how to die. And so, you know, these were the men in right. my life. And that's my passion today. Our, our, our crisis today is not alcohol and drugs. Our crisis today is the missing man. You know, that's where it all boils down uh, to is it's time for mm. men to take back the dinner table, you know. And and so mm. as I was, mm. you know, growing and, and drinking alcohol and doing drugs and doing what we do, I was very successful. You know, I thought successful as one of the most well-known high-end luxury home builders in the country. And I was doing homes, you know, starting at five million, going all the way up to 30 million, uh, doing projects as far as, oh, really? you know, luxury penthouses in the, in the Ritz-Carlton in Dallas and 
you know, consulting with people across the country. And, um, and I seemed to have it all going on, but there was a dark, dark uh, hole, you know, in my spirit because, um, in 1992 in Orlando, Florida, I ended up getting a lady pregnant. Um, and my son and daughter that I adopted, I abandoned them. You know, I abandoned them when Brandon was, you know, two years old and I never turned back, you know, and, and I left and, at the time, it's funny when people introduce me to speak, they, they say, this guy's Forrest Gump. The stories are true. You know, before I got into home building, I was a I was a caddy on the pro golf tour, you know, and what a perfect place for a drug addict, alcoholic and a bookie to go. You know, that's where oh, I was wow, at, yeah. you know, caddy on the tour. And and it was the week of Bay Hill, as you know, in Orlando. And that's when I met uh, this lady. And um, and I did her wrong. I really did. I did her wrong. Um, and then, you know, the use got up and then. You know, and I got remarried and I was married for 14 years and I, we had two beautiful boys and I never wanted to be that dad ever again. And, mm. you know, in 2009, my wife had a massive brain hemorrhage. We were planning a funeral um, and I was spiraling out of control and all the dark demons started coming up and I did not know how to deal with it. And I went on a tailspin. I literally gave my company to my brother, you know, high seven figure net worth. It doesn't matter. I just... I had more money coming in than I had going out. So, um, so it was, it was that right there is, you know, my family was betraying me. My ex in-laws were betraying me. Um, I was being abandoned again and I went to a very dark place and, you know, it all started from that guilt and shame of abandoning these, these kids. Mm -hmm. I can relate. So, yeah. And so 2000, 2011, I got, you know, or 2010, Mm -hmm. I got my very first mugshot, you know, I got pulled over and, and I said, man, I'm never doing this again. I've become that guy that said I never was going to be. You know, we always hear that. You know, you know, I, I, we hear people say they were they became homeless and they became, um, you know, divorced. They went to prison. They went to jail. They went to institutions. They went to asylums. They went to treatment. Um, and I said, that's I'm, those guys were dealt a bad deck. That's I'll never be like that yet. You know, and uh, <laughs> I, be, I became words. that guy. I became that guy. So when I got released after my first mugshot. You know, I said I wasn't going to drink and do drugs again. I meant it. I don't know if y'all can relate. I really meant it. I mean, yeah, right. I mm, meant it. Yeah. Did. And once I got back to my place, I was in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. I came from a 10,000 square foot house into a one bedroom apartment. Um, <laughs> I'm in there and I'm at going, you know what? I'm a little anxious. I've had a really rough two nights. I'm just going to knock the edge off. Um, and I picked up a drink and then I got drunk and high that night, you know. You know, I'm a social drinker, Chris, for about eight minutes. You know what I mean? That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's it. Oh yeah. Always, I've never taken yeah, two just one. In my entire just life. one. Yeah. Our one times two. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, it, you know, it spiraled out of control, and, and you know, um, I started running, and and I started, um, you know, the lies were running out, and. And that's when I was started drinking, you know, even doing drugs even more because I wanted to, I wanted to feel good about um, the bad decisions I was making. And these, all these decisions and all these bad decisions that I've learned through the 12 step recovery, um, I'm very protective of, you know, the group that I'm a part of. So I, I don't wave that flag, but I'm in a 12 step recovery, you know, group. And right. after working those steps, I started realizing the role that I played in this, you know, and, and a lot of them are tough. You know, I can understand the role I play it. If I'd loaned someone $5, they didn't pay me back. That's easy. I loaned them the $5, right? So that resentment's resolved. Uh, but you know, how do you come up, re, you know, recover from a resentment that you have towards your grandfather who sexually you know, abused you? And, and oh, I yeah. have an answer to that. You know, what oh, worked yeah. for me was the role I played in it was I chose not to forgive them. You know, I chose not to forgive them. And, you know, once I did that, I crossed over to the supernatural. That's where God really worked. That's where he really worked is when we, you know, cross over to the supernatural and accept our role in the things that were done wrong to us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's where, you know, that's where I, I ended up today, you know. Um, there's so much to talk about, but I don't want to talk as y'all show. Sure. I'm following you. No, 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 no. This is your platform, mate. But I do want to ask you something because you touched on two things that I really, really, really am passionate about at the moment. I say passionate because it provides a conflict. I can't speak for a woman because I'm not one, but right. certainly in men. 
the concept of forgiveness. When we hear the concept of forgiveness, it means we let that person go for any transgression, inverted commas, but it also creates the sort of false ideal that you should love them for where they are. I spoke at a, at, a, at a podcast appearance about a year or so ago where I said, you know what? You forgive them for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You forgive them for yourself. But it doesn't mean that that person who transgressed you, and I'm using highfalutin words to savor the blow a bit, it doesn't give them permission to come back into your life because I had a similar thing with my biological father from whom I'm estranged. Your thoughts on that? It's, it's perfect. I mean, you know, you know, Matthew 6, you know, 14 and 15 in, in my own translation is that, you know, it, that's when the Bible started working for me is those two verses. You know, if you forgive the ones who have sinned against you or hurt you, um, you know, in Matthew 15, God says, I'm going to bless your gang. I and mean, that's what it boils down to. You know, as mm-hmm. an addict alcoholic, you know, God's not going to bless me if I'm holding on to a resentment because I'm an addict. Oh, yeah. He'll bless me. I'm going to stuff the resentment down further and I'm going to use up my blessings and then the resentment's going to come up. And it can be very deep for someone who doesn't have a relationship with a higher power yet. Okay. Thank God for yeah, 22. Yeah. But once we get that and the true forgiveness, and that's when I call crossing over to the supernatural. And that's where Ra, you know, that's where God really gets to flex his muscle. I've always been like mm, this, Chris, mm. is how do I know I've forgiven? How do I know if it's worth, you know? And the way that, you know, what's worked for me is that I stop planning revenge. You know, I'm oh, not yeah. laying, I'm not, <laughs> oh, laying yeah. I'm not laying in bed anymore, you know, it, you know, just, just masterminding the perfect movie where I win, I'm holding the Oscar, I got you, you know, and <clears throat> to the point where, you know, I, a, a girl that I had a resentment towards, I would just, you know, I would fantasize about flying in on a private jet with just a good looking girlfriend just to show it their face. And then it's five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? And they're sitting oh, yeah. just fine. But, but that's, I can relate. Like, yeah. So that's, that's the, that's the mind. And, and so when we stop planning revenge against that person is where we get the freedom. We call it morbid reflection, you know, and, and when, that morbid re- when that morbid reflection is removed from us, we sleep good. You know, I, I, oh, yeah. I sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, right now, the last couple of months, I've been sleeping very good. I've recently gone through a difficult breakup in recovery, you know, in, in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been hurtful and painful. Okay. And. But sure. yet, but it's yet, never easy. No, but yet I'm growing through it. I didn't drink or drug, but my character defects started to come back. You know what I mean? <sighs> and that resentment mm. started to come back. And here's what's really interesting about being in recovery and being a believer. You know, being a believer in God is that is that I believe in God so much. The pain was so bad because I knew what to do. I knew to turn it over to him. But since mm, I, mm. you know, and God will let me play God until the pain gets bad enough, and I hit my knees and turn to Him and say, "You can have it. I can't handle it." You know? I did so, exactly the same thing a couple of yeah. weeks ago, believe it or not. And to tell you the yeah. truth, I don't want that uh, lease on my shoulder anymore. It's too, it's too exhausting. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting what I learned from that, Chris, is that sitting back, you know, being rocketed to the fourth dimension and being able to look at through a different perspective through God's eyes is that. Then there's that. that. Yeah. And then when we look at that, what I did is I was making this person my higher power. This person was becoming my drug of choice, you know, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I had a hard time, you know. Being in sobriety, I mean, I just plowed through people. I didn't care. But I experienced codependency for the first time in my life because I didn't want anybody to leave me. You know, don't Mm. abandon me, you know. Mm. And it's something I had to work through and I'm working through. Well, you know what? From uh, I can't see you and Danny can't see you, but from the way that you're talking, you're talking with such confidence. And that's that's indicative to me. Uh, that you're on the right path to to healing. Look, let's let's be very honest about this. Breakup, especially in recovery, is heart-wrenching in the fullest sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, uh, Mike, if you disagree with me on this, you're more than welcome to 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 disagree with me. I'm I'm fallible like everyone else. <laughs> 
But uh, we need to go through these things. I call them growth spurts, and breakup is one of them. You know, if you're open-minded enough and you do a little bit of an inventory and you weigh the pros and the cons, and eventually there will come a time after you've meditated, after you've prayed about it, that just one day the light will come on and you say, Lord, thank you for what I had to go through. It wasn't nice going through it. Um, you know what? I'll be transparent. You know, when uh, my dad came back to get the rest of his stuff before he left to move to an opposite state, he and I got into a bout of fisticuffs. And with a narcissist, you know, the moment that you show them any sort of defense, <clears throat> they uh, they will pussyfoot. And it's not a rude word. It's a means of of saying, get, trying to get back in your life, to get into your good graces. But the moment that you give them your good graces, then the destructive pattern starts at a complete uh, 360 again. And when he tried to do that for the umpteenth time, I just pulled out a weapon and I said, don't come near me. Don't come near me. Thank God I didn't pull the trigger, but I needed to do that mm -hmm. to effectively move forward. That's you know, I was the, thinking the whole time you guys were talking, the boundaries, that is healing. Like, mm. yes, And sometimes it has to go to the extreme. Like yeah. there's the amends, there's the release the surrender, but there's also after that, the boundaries. And that's part of the healing, I think. Mm. You know, like this is interesting, Chris. I think we're on, <laughs> I think we're dealing with the same thing. So, you know, there's a couple of things that, you know, I'd like to touch on and that's, um, please do. It, and let's touch about mental health, you know, because, uh, mental please health, do. especially for men is very hard to talk about. Um, I spoke about it on the radio today, believe it or not. Okay. But, um, you know, I'm trying to learn how to deliver this without hurting anyone. Okay. But I just recently got out of a narcissist with, with, I can't even say the word, a relationship with a narcissist. Okay. And it sounds like such a bad word, but the more that I have learned about it is that narcissists are attracted to empathetic people. Right. They are. And, it will literally, and it physically, physically sucked me dry. I mean, it physically drove me into a psych ward. I mean, I literally, at the first of the year, I was in a psych ward because I'm very empathetic, very helping, and I became so confused on, on how this works. I mean, it was a very confusing situation. And as I processed it, and when I went in there, I was all, you know, I was also diagnosed. And I just met with my psychiatrist yesterday morning, who is awesome. He's been on my show. And, and, you know, we talked about it. He's so proud how far I've come, you know, since February. And I had to really process this because I know what God's doing. He allowed it to happen so I could speak about it. You know, I, I, I'm a lab rat. I really feel like I'm a lab rat, you know, but so I, I'm able to speak about it and I was telling him about it and I said, you know, it's really cool that I've accepted that I'm bipolar. You know, I'd much rather have pancreatic cancer than being bipolar because it just sounds like I'm crazy. You know what I mean? And, and so he no, stopped it's not a stigma. me. Yeah. He stopped me and he said, listen, I want you to do something else. Don't ever say I am bipolar say i have bipolar disorder and when he told me that oh, man that felt good i'll even give you another term that you can use because a good friend of mine is also bipolar type one your bipolar opposite mm. like that <laughs> i like that but you know it's, it's yours take I it yeah, I will. I was just on a show in Dallas and with a therapist and we had an incredible show talking about uh mental health and, and, and narcissism. And, and we delivered it very healthy. It was great because, you know, my platform is not about getting even or, or shooting slugs over the bow. I don't want to do that, but I want to learn from these things and provide solutions so I can get people's head nodding up and down going, wow, wow, I get it. And it's been very, it's been a very growing year. Now back to your original deal, as far as these things, God allows detours to happen in our life. You know, he allows these detours to happen so we can become stronger and closer to him. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I were to talk about it in recovery, 
if recovery was easy, especially early recovery, if it was easy, I'd be drunk and high right now. You know what I mean? I'd go, okay, right. I'm going to get drunk <laughs> and high right now. And I'm going to go clean off on Saturday. Right. It yeah. would, that would, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, but it's very painful because I have to get honest and I have to look at me, you know, and that's, but that's how you do. grow. Don't you? That's right. And so, but I've realized that when I'm connected to God and I'm spiritually fit, these detours in our life are bad moments. They're bad moments, right? They're not, they don't drag on for a month. Right. When they drag mm. on for a mm. month, it's usually based on my experience. I'm spiritually disconnected or I, I'm a believer and I know what's happening, but I'm so angry. I won't turn to God. You know, I, I know he's there. Mm. And I know what the solution is. I know what it is, but sometimes I just get comfortable being right there because I cannot put the sword down. And until mm. I do that, um, man, he comes in and it's the same thing again. It's just that it's it's almost like it's almost like it's almost like reestablishing your sobriety day. You know, the emotional emotional <laughs> hangovers true. today are just painful. <laughs> mm. And if you're not spiritually fit right at the moment that this happens. You're fucked. I mean, you really are. Yeah, You've got, yeah. you know, it's like day well, one, you know, mentally. Well said. You know, I, I want to read you guys something quickly. Okay. Be proud of every scar that's on your heart. Each one holds a lifetime worth of lessons. How mm -hmm. profound is that? Very. You know, it's, it's um, that's where we learn. You know, that's, that's where we learn is in the, you know, I learned so much about myself in prison and I learned by watching others. You know what I mean? I, I learned so much by serving others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Very well, much. In prison. That, that, that's a very interesting story. How you had a, I mean, you weren't always a spiritual, I mean, you might use. No, you were, no, no. I no, was, I was agnostic. Okay. I believed in one God and that was me. You know what I mean? That's, that's who <laughs> yeah. I believed in. And you know, after my 27th mugshot, you know, I, I knew, I knew I was, I was, you know, going to be put away for a while, you know, judge Bennett, she was tired of being my professional photographer. You know, she wow. says, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, you're going to mind somebody and you're going to mind me. And I'll never forget this. I was, you know, I was sitting in the, in my, it was a two, a two man cell. Um, I got put into an aggravated assault tank with murderers. You don't think God knew what he was doing. And yeah, I'm not that guy. I mean, I'm just drunk and you know, dope head. And talk about so being putting, in the belly of a whale. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was rock and roll. And, you know, I, I saw, I saw people get killed right in front of me. I saw suicide. I, I mean, everything that you can see a trauma to the max. I mean, so yeah, I literally saw a guy get his head snapped like a dove right by me, you know? And so, and all this, and, and I was in there, and this old man comes into my cell and his name's Uwe. That's what they called him. They called me rabbit because I couldn't sit still. You know, I oh, just wow. couldn't sit still. I didn't have drugs. I didn't have alcohols in my head. I, I, I just, I was always, I was worried about everybody out in Dallas talking about me. And I mean, I was just out there. And mm -hmm. so I'm pacing around and, you know, Uwe told me to come into, you know, the cell that we were in and he goes, Hey, listen, rabbit. They're going to chew you off the bone. You're going to, I mean, they're going to chew you off the bone. You're making a lot of people nervous. Mm. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, you're out in that world. You have to get out of that world. And what was, he was basically the prison talk is doing hard time and easy time. And eat, and, and so I did not know what that meant. Oh. So we asked me, you know, it was all God. He says, Hey, will you do me a favor? Will you, will you read to me? I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, will you read to me? I go, wow. read to you. He goes, yeah, I can't read. I can't write. This guy was 75 years old, right? He's doing life. Wow. So I said, all right. So this gangbanger gives me this book and it happens to be the Living Recovery Bible. Now this gangbanger, people, the people would get books off the book cart for one reason, to use them as pillows. You put them under your mat, you can prop up and you can have a pillow. And so he let me mm -hmm. use it. It was brand new. He owned it. And so I took it down and I'm reading it to Uwe. Now, it's just black words on white paper. It's nothing. Okay. But here's All the right. cool thing. As I was reading it to him, he was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, read that again. And the next mm -hmm. thing I know, Chris and Danielle, four days go by. Four days go by. 
And I realized I wasn't anxious. I wasn't paranoid. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about anything. And I'm like, wow, what's happening right now? You know? Mm-hmm. And then on, you know, I got arrested 529.17 and on 7.7.17, okay? I woke up in my bunk and I couldn't breathe. I literally could not breathe. And, and I thought I was having a heart attack and I took this deep breath in and then I blew out and I felt all this anger and rage and resentment, all this stuff coming out, just like the green mile, all I just the flies mm. coming out of my body. And I take this deep breath back in. It was just ice water and I was full of love, you know? And so I just kept, you know, I, I was reading and reading and writing letters to people. And this murder tank came together and the guards were just going nuts. I wasn't preaching or anything like that. I was just simply reading to these people. Wow. And the reason why I felt free, I felt home because for the first time in my life, I was serving others, expecting nothing in return. Nothing. And it happened you know unconsciously. Yeah. Boom. yeah. And I was doing One, two, easy three. time, you know, easy time is living in the now. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful lesson, but you have to experience it in order to understand it. And I say it to a lot of people who are especially in early recovery, you know, when they hear the benefits about recovery, uh, finding a freedom that we've never known before, God is the uh, uh, director, uh, he is the principal, we are his agents. All of that freedoms sounds good on the ear, but then a lot of them ask, now, how the hell do we get there? Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, again, I have to use the expression, just one fine day, the light comes on. Then it's more of a fact of, now I understand. So it has yeah. to be experienced. And you have to let the tale play out in chapters. in order. It's and in basically verses. how it works. You know, it, you just right. do it in order, and then it works. And be patient. Right. right. And be patient. Look, yeah. everyone's recovery yeah. is going to play out eventually, but it happens in different chapters for everyone else. We're all different. I'm an extrovert. Daniela's an introvert. You, I'm assuming you're somewhere in the middle, ambivert and extrovert. So right. it plays out in various chapters, but as long as we keep on the journey, as you say, there are bumps in the road. Just keep going. You know mm-hmm. what? Yeah. I said this to someone um from a career perspective, who asked me about uh, how to get into the business and so on and so forth. And the first thing I said to him is, fail joyously. <laughs> and Danny, you remember when I had you on my radio show, I said the very same thing. Because you ultimately learn what doesn't work for you. Take the word fail, divide it into an acronym of four. First, action in learning. So either you Love win that. or you learn. So you don't fail whatsoever. It's what we say to ourselves here. You alluded it to yourself. It starts here. And this is a fickle instrument. And when this instrument and this instrument collide, that's where calamity happens. Yes. But when they are enjoined, magic happens. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I tell people, you know, how do you get in the now? You know, how do you how do you get in the moment in the present and based on my experience and what's working for me is serving others. You know, you know, when I do these shows and I'm on these shows and I do interviews, um, I never think about the future. I never think about the past. It's the greatest feeling in the world because I'm right here right now speaking with y'all. Yeah. You're yeah. helping yeah. me. I mean, yeah. you two are helping me because I get to share my experience um, to help others. You know, that's my passion is, is to help others. And the way that I help others is that the times I do bump my head, the times that I'm in the ditch uh, to process it and learn from it and tell the story, you know, tell the story, you know, the, the story never ends, you know, the story keeps going, you know, what it was like. That's a very small piece of my story. Okay. I drank, I did drugs. I fell down. I woke up. I said, I was never going to do again. I did it again. That's what it was like. Right. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. happened, I just shared with you, you know, the spiritual awakening, serving others on October 13, 2017, being miraculously released from from prison, traveling over 300 miles by foot to turn myself in. And the judge pardoned me and said, go pay it forward. And that's what I'm doing. You know, um, and I heart radio. Any length. You were you yeah. were there. 
Yeah. You know, iHeartRadio found it and all the local Dallas news picked it up and it just took wow. off. And Chris, I wasn't I wasn't sitting in jail doing a business plan on starting a show. You know, I was just hoping I could get a job at Home Depot. You know, I, I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to do. And so, yeah. you know, I just I kept following my feet. And, you know, what's really cool is that with everything going on and, and all the way up to 2021 on January 3rd, uh, 2021, <clears throat> I got a phone call. I got a phone call, <clears throat> excuse me, from this guy who was on the other line. And it says, I want you to know that I thought I would never call you. I hate you. And if there's any way I could change my last name, I would do it, but I need your help. And it was my son. Wow. Yeah. It was a son that I abandoned. And, and so that's why I'm in Orlando. You know, we, we have become so close and he's been so he hasn't had a drink or drug since the day that we met. His sobriety date is January 6, 2021. And oh guess what God. I did? Guess what I did? I just showed up and I gave him a good listening to. And what's so cool is that he's been, he was watching the show. He was watching the show and he was seeing his dad, his actions, and he could relate. He could totally I was about to say the same thing. And so you didn't just say you're sorry, you were showing him without even you realizing it. You were yeah. showing him that you were sorry. That's God yeah, working that, in your life. Yeah. Oh, and, that gives me and, gooseies. And that and that's all the result of everyone in recovery and everyone following because I just listen. Everything that I'm talking about right now, I'm not if if I make it up, we're all going to prison, right? This is I'm sharing with y'all that I love listening to stories and how I can re and share it, you know, what I mean? and just share these mm. things. And, um, and it, it, it's working, you know, it's working that when we, we reach out and we, you know, we help others. And so now he's helping others. And, and so coming here and meeting with him and, and my daughter, um, you know, and, and my ex-wife, I mean, heck I'm hanging out at their house and, and this lady <laughs> This lady, I did her wrong. She could sue me. I mean, she could sue me. I mean, she could do, she has the right to do everything. And when I had my mental breakdown in February, I'm all by myself. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the door knocks and it's her. And she comes in and she puts her arm around me and she says, I just want you to know we love you. You're family, you know? And out of all the people to be there to support me, it's them, you know? And it's just really cool. Only God could do that. Only yeah. God, oh, yeah. you know, absolutely. And so, so it's just a big part of my life. So that's why, you know, I'm here in Orlando and, um, you know, I've got some, got a book deal going. We've got, um, I don't know if y'all have heard of I am second or I am second video is dry. I have, on. I watched so them did, religiously. They a, yeah. They did a, they did a, a film on me and that's, that's dropping on the 23rd of this month. And what an honor. Wait. What, I mean, yeah. Where what an honor. See I mean, that? It'll on YouTube. On, um, on YouTube, Facebook, and then we'll share it to our page. But um, I want to promote them. Uh, go to YouTube. Go go to I Am Second. Subscribe to their page. Subscribe to their Facebook. It's incredible. It's an honor to be on it. You get to be invited, and I was just blown away. You know, to, to be a part of that. And and so, you know, M to the Rock is all about attraction, not promotion. You know, all of our stuff mm, is just mm. like I met y'all. People reach out. You know, we we don't oh, yeah. promote or anything like and that. And, can I mention Deborah, who joined our show just now? Uh, she just mentioned that she is sober thirty-two years. So let's get goodness her a hand gracious! Here. That is awesome. That's a long time with no alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Deborah. We're super go, proud of you, Deborah. darling. And thank you for joining us. And That's she great. says yeah. thank you for the show. In twenty-seven years, Deborah, I'll have thirty-two years. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, just so on a side note, you should really check out I Am Second, especially guess who's on there because you and I are book fans. Anne Rice, of all people. Yeah. You should hear her testimony. It'll wow. blow your mind. I got to check it they out. Did such, they did such a great job. I mean, it's it's really it's, – it's, I was just really blown away. And then we're, we're going to be posting um, – dropping a 45-minute documentary on my life uh, on the 7th of July. So – Wow. Um, wow. So then we're working on uh, speaking engagement. So we're, I wanted to wait till after five years to really hit the road speaking. You know, I, I wanted to, um, that was just something my, 
my mentor or sponsor, whatever you want. We just, we put a game plan together. Let's get five years under our belt. And, mm-hmm. um, and I sure am glad I did because I get to use these five years as a part of my story to, because the first five years are tough. You know what I mean? You know, we get mm-hmm. going, we're on a pink cloud, woo, woo, woo. And then all of a sudden the gas of the world hits us. You know, we go through breakups, you know, we go through financial stuff and, um, and we start, li- you know, we start doing life. Mm. You know, and it, life it's gets so life weird because the, the first five years is when I've always been an extrovert and I am an extrovert, but when it comes to doing this, I'm not. And it's like, it's, I've noticed throughout my sobriety, I'll be 16 soon. I've changed and I, I'm more of a, a person that sits back and, you know, and I remember telling my sponsor when I would just go on the trail of speaking everywhere, I said, I'm going to become a circuit speaker. And I did it for a long time. And now I'm really almost like a different person. You change so much throughout your recovery. I mean, I'm sure Deborah can attest to that. I mean, that's just, uh, it's, it's always a journey. All those years you acquire so many Mm. different uh, journeys and, and things to share about staying sober through, you know, the mess. Because life is never. Well, that's what's so good about recovery is because, hey, when we're using and drinking, um, they know we're using and drinking. You know, when we get clean and sober and have that spiritual awakening, people go, wow, man, this is something unbelievable. And you know what's interesting? When we get clean and sober, we have that spiritual awakening. The people that are around us that don't drink or do drugs, <clears throat> We start realizing, we start realizing they're sicker than we are. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that the I, truth? Because they're not working a program, and you know, and, and that's when I came up. You, you know, with everything going on in the world and everything that's so confusing, I've really come to the conclusion. I've narrowed this down: is that the number one offender that is killing the human race? It's the plague. Is resentment. That's what's killing yeah, um, the very human much. race is resentment. And thank God we have a solution for it. Thank God that we have tools for it. Thank God when I have a resentment, it's a result of fear. And that I have tools that that the quicker that I see the role and I play in it and I accept it, and true acceptance has no resentments, I'm down the road. You know, I'm down the road. And there's so mm. many people mm. that, that don't drink and do drugs. And, um, they don't have the tools to process resentments. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, Very and, and I've always, I've always said this, you know, what is addiction? You know, what is the definition of addiction? That's not dictionary. Here it is. This is what I put down. Addiction is this. It's a person. It's a place. It's a thing. And here's the scary one or a thought that has become my source that has mm. become my source. Okay. I so when, when all of that's happening, and so then on our show is that we're all addicts. If you're breathing, we're all addicts, you know, and someone will debate me and they say, well, no, I, I'm not an addict. And I'm going to say, well, don't use your cell phone for 24 hours. <laughs> they, they can't, they can't. And they go, they go, well, not one person says I can do that. And I said, well, let me, let me tell you about mental obsession. Okay. When you put your cell phone down and you make a commitment not to do it for 24 hours, do you think about it nonstop? And they go, yeah. Mm. And I said, that's Mm. the mental obsession. That's because this has become your drug of choice. And they go, that's the same thing for a drug addict and alcoholic. The only problem is, is thank God we have serious consequences. You know, I never was in prison for a guy that was an overeater. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, what are you in for? I'm an overeater. But thank God our consequences are so extreme because then we get to find God quicker, no matter what. <laughs> mm. Mm. Deborah, There's a lot of people who need to be listening or? to this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to invite her on. Yeah. Awesome. Hi, Deborah. Hello. This hey. is so inspiring. We're glad <laughs> that we thank can provide coming, that service Deborah. for you. Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's not my, if I, God willing, I make it till September 3rd, it'll be 33 years, but I've got 32 years and, uh, it really is not a psychological trick that it's one day at a time. (laughs) As that old slogan goes. Yeah. And, uh, 
I just, my life, it, it seems like even a different person, you know, just I, I when I think about it. But Michael, um, you sound great. And this is an amazing story. And this paying it forward and what happened is mean you acknowledge the miracles that are happening in your life and you're incorporating them in and doing what you, uh, you're taking like sober actions. It's just pretty amazing. Yeah. Thank and, you so uh, much. Yeah. I want, I want to thank people like you that do have 30 years clean because you know, that's, that's, you're so powerful because when y'all share and, and being five years, I'm just soaking it in like a sponge. And you know, it's interesting. It's redundant. You know, it's the same thing, but it's so cool. You know, different people put it in different ways, but it's real simple is that, you know, trust God, clean house and help others, you know, yeah, and you formula. know, you would, yeah, when you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just made me think of something. You know, when you were talking about the thought, it's just not, you know, it's about the thought. Mm -hmm. Do you ever realize next time you read the big book that the italics are really where it's at? And yeah. the italics cost a lot for them to print the italics in those days. It was a different printing press. But oh. Bill W. put the italics like on very simple statements like, and then the thought occurred to me to have a drink. It's very simple. And if you look at all the italics, you will see how simple they are and where they're placed. <laughs> right. That's, that's yeah. cool. Thank you for the tip, Deborah. Yeah, that's You're awesome. You're a superstar. <laughs> it's yeah, not when we lose a million things. It's not when I think. It's just you're sitting somewhere one day after your disease is pushing up, you're doing push-ups outside the door, as they say. And all of a sudden, and then the thought occurred to me to have a drink. Why don't I have a little uh, in my milk, a little whiskey? You know, like that story. It's so fun. <laughs> it <is so> what <laughs> milk? <laughs> exactly. so I can understand the question. <laughs> yeah, what milk? There ain't gonna be any milk in it. <laughs> I'm just going straight from the handle. You know, I got something to tell you. No, but I mean I've been on the boat I've been on the boat all day today with you know, with some friends and and I saw the most amazing thing I've, I've probably ever seen in my life. I saw two men split a beer. Split a beer. They go, Would you like a beer? He goes, No, let's just split one. And I'm like, What? What? what I said, the I would hell? be drunk. I would be drunk and high before I get on the boat. I'd be drunk and high when I got off the boat and I wouldn't go home until Friday. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I would get on the boat that would just start. And then I would, you know, y'all would find me on Friday. And, you know, these guys, they, they split a beer there. And I was one, <laughs> I wasn't one of them, but I got to have fun, you know, I get to have fun. And it's just, I'm so grateful when there's gratitude, support group meetings, you know, and, and the topic is gratitude. Yeah. I'm always grateful for this is that the mental obsession has been removed. Okay. Uh, I don't right. think about my cell phone. I do that. That's a, that's an addiction of mine. I have to, I have to force my sponsor says you put it up, you know, put it up. And because <laughs> we get thousands of messages, I mean, thousands through our show of, Every yeah. mom and dad, every codependent, Al-Anon in denial, want me to help their people, you know? Oh, and so, yeah. so anyways, the, you know, to put it down and just be able to look up and forward. And, and so it's so cool that mental obsession has been removed from drugs and alcohol. You know, I, do I think about it? Yeah, but it's a different thought, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Right. It's not like, it's not that, that obsession, like, okay, after this show, Okay, in two hours I can drink again, and then I'm already drinking before. It's just you know that it's just nonstop. I mean, it's mm. you know how many meetings have you canceled and rescheduled because you want to drink, you know, and mm -hmm. mm. and so I'm just so grateful for for that, and and everything else falls into place. I love that. Well, you, absolutely, I do too, and I think we're going to end on that note. Uh, Mike, before we leave, I have to ask you, your show M2, where can people find it? Is it a TV show, a radio show? Tell us a little bit of, quickly about that. So everything everything that we do is all digital video, and then we do reads and, and, and audio. Oh, speaking of that, um, the story is, is our show um, is in every single prison and jail on the tablets. It's the only recovery what? show on there. Yeah. That's oh, a whole that's mackerel. Cool. I was sharing my story. Um, at a treatment center and this kid just really, really loved my story. He's still sober. 
And his dad is the CEO of Securus, which is a government telecommunications company. Mm, and this government mm. that does all the communications in, in prisons and jails around the country. And he says, put that show on the tablets. And wow, that uh, so is we, cool. that, we get messages from prison of people, how it's helping. And so, but anyways, it's just M to the rock, the letter M number two, uh, the rock, um, dot com. And then you, we're on every platform, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, LinkedIn, you know, we're on all of those. And it's, it's just been, it's been a blessing. It's impressive. I've looked, I've Sounds watched it. a lot of your videos. They're just, uh, I can imagine they help so many people and we're really thankful to have you on the show. And hopefully maybe one day you'll come back and tell us what's going on next year. And I'm sure you've got a lot to share. So we would love I'd to, love to and I'd love back. to ha- I want to invite you to be on my show. Um, we'd, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to do that. And we're, we're actually almost finished with a brand new studio where we're going to take it to the next level and have uh, celebrities on that are not addicts and alcoholics. It's just here because, oh. hey, having drug addicts and alcoholics follow me, that's easy. But I want to yeah. reach out to other people that don't have tools for resentment and just simply share their story. I what love it was that. like, what yeah. happened and what it's like today. And, and that's. But, you know, that's what I've always wanted, you know. It's very cool. Bro, like the late Casey Kasem used to say, if you ah, aim for the ah. if you aim for the stars, you'll be m- maybe lucky to reach the treetops or you even reach the moon. Amen. And with that, folks, we would like to thank Michael Moulton t- for appearing on Doing It Sober Life. Mike, you've been so much of fun. Thank and, you. And uh, Deborah, a special thank you to you for coming on the show, for uh, sharing your part as well. You see, folks, this is what we've been begging and pleading for more than months now to come onto the show. This is your show. We want you on here to present Q&As to our guests, and we're going to have a gay old time. We thank you so much. And if you've missed out on the show, they will be uh, on demand on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts under the Doing It Sober Life banner. But until we meet again next Tuesday this time, God bless you one and all. Thanks again, Mike. Look after yourself, mate. Thank Thank you. you. God bless.